Hello, that's Andrew. Hi. <laughs> I'm Ashton, and this is Romantic Underpinnings. We are here to bring you chapter 21, and each week we write a chapter for the other person in a gender-swapped romance novel. I'm writing the male's part, and Andrew's writing the lady's part, and our, if you want to find us out in the world, our website is romanticunderpinnings.com. Our Twitter is at rom under pod and our Instagram handle is also at romantic underpinnings. Do you want to tell the people a little bit about where we are in the story, Andrew? Yes. First, I really need to take this piece of fluff off of your sweater. I think you should have left it. Great no. podcasting, by the way. No, I, it, it, look, it would have ruined my ability to read fluently <clears throat> because my oh, eyes yeah. would have kept drifting puffward. Um, so... Yeah. Video exclusive for the Patreon. Ah, damn that it. We don't have. <laughs> Should be recording this. So it's gold. All our little interactions and stuff. Oh, I think goo. My chair makes me really like way higher up than you. I'm going to sink down a little bit. <laughs> again, podcasting gold. Well, again, it's these all these little adjustments will lead to better verbal fluency as well. Mm. So. um, As if you need more verbal fluency. You know, it never hurts. Now. Our story <laughs> is set in the year of our Lord, 1690. Year of our Lord. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's just a nice old-timey way of referring to it. <laughs> I could, you know, like, I understand why people switch it to, like, common era. But CE just never quite does it for me the same way. I don't know what to tell you. Um, anyway, in 1690 CE... War was raging between England and France. Countries were scrambling to colonize the New World and wrest control of vital shipping lanes from one another in a madcap dash for resources to prop up creaky old world monarchies. Into this scene strides our hero, Anthony, a person, sailor, one might even say sailor man, <laughs> with a piratical background who nonetheless yearns to go straight. <laughs> sailor man? <laughs> by the way? Anthony the sailor man. Is he like man. a subset of Sailor Moon or something? No, he's just a grown up sailor boy. <laughs> oh God, I don't like that at all. Why, why isn't he just a sailor? Stop. Uh, because I like saying sailor man uh, or sailor boy. As also, he's not it. really a sailor regardless. He's a captain. It's different. Well, he is he's a man of the sea. The sea creature. Is, he's a seaman? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he only became a captain like... That's true. The in chapter one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but still. He was just a rank and file sailor dude before that. Um, One might even call him a privateer. Sort well, of. he did some privateering, and he did some legitimate trading, and he would like to just be a sea captain taking his boat around places and picking things up and dropping them off. Um, and, you know, also helping the men on his crew to advance their careers and reach their full potentials in the sailing industry. <clears throat> um, sorry, I've had a lot of work meetings today. Um, 
also into this scene of personal striving and international tumult steps our heroine, Agatha Van Horn, a young Dutch woman of a privileged trading background who has been expelled from her life of luxury in the colonies and willingly fled her semi-imprisonment in the gilded cage of the English court of uh, William III, I believe. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. um. Her means of fleeing that English court and pursuing a better life for herself was, in fact, running off, dressing like a man, and joining Anthony's crew on his mission, which, again, remember the historical background I mentioned. It's a mission of intrigue that Anthony has been sent on by the king himself to gather information in France, while posing as a humble trading vessel that is somehow trading with a country they're at war at, but they're at war with. But that does not matter. I assume there would be black market yeah. style people trading even when they weren't supposed to. Yeah, we've covered that a little, and it's uh, it's even it's like come up in the book. Mm. Um, so anyway, they're like pretending to be basically slightly betraying England when really. They're totally betraying France, who they never had a loyalty to in the first place, so it's fine. And recently, as of the end of my last chapter, um, our hero and hero, I mean, as you listened to, enraptured, um, our noble crew, our small but wonderfully great crew that keeps screwing things up, was forced to abandon their boat and potentially strike out overland across the French countryside in search of the secrets that they need to bring back. I'm probably going to cut a lot of that out. I have no idea why I went so long, especially when I'm about to talk so much. But that's where we are. You sort of do it every time, which is fine. It's part of the it's, vibe. Is it fine or is it... <laughs> I don't think I can even say fine the way you say fine, but you made it sound less than fine. I mean, it's sort of to be expected. So at this point, it's like, well. Uh, par for the course. It's sort of like an inside. Well, I don't know how inside of a joke it is, but it's sort of like a thing that happens every time. Oh, okay. So what you're saying <clears throat> is it's one of the delightful things about this podcast that keeps our <clears throat> devoted listenership devotedly returning episode after episode, year after year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> all right you seem to like to do the exposition so let's explore language romance and resilience and welcome to romantic underpinnings well i feel like you need to say something else before i start just reading um 1605 words is that too many no, it's, well, it means you wrote a lot, um, your last writing session. What do you mean? I was at a thousand. Yeah, I know. Those last 600 only took like 20 minutes or something. Holy crap. Maybe 30. I don't know. It was fast. All right. Well, this is, no, this is good because it is more writing. Sorry, there's a plaintive cat outside the room who is not getting let in for those of you keeping score at home. <laughs> I'm going to start. Okay, great. <laughs> Agatha and his men looked at him God dumbly in the it. dark. I think No, that's right. 
No, it's not. Yeah. Agatha and his men looked at him dumbly. So they're looking at Anthony because she's not one of his men. He felt some of his positive energy drain away. Anthony, that is. I know. You know. Everyone knows. Um, I can, Captain, Agatha whispered, barely audible. She sounded unsure, even to him. There was something else she wasn't saying. He glanced at her questioningly. She shrugged at him. Side saddle, she explained. He almost clapped a hand to his face, but refrained based on the need for silence. That's a really good touch. Well, I mean, she would have no reason to learn to ride astride. I mean, unless she just like stole a horse and started riding it around bareback, even if there are horses in Cerno. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure there are horses somewhere, but who knows if her dad even had them. But she would have learned as like a young girl probably to ride side saddle. Yeah, no, I mean, her dad had horses, but I, she wasn't like a rancher or like, anything like, like who would have. Nah, she would have been taught the decorative way of writing. Well, and I don't assume that she, like, was super into it. Like, some women at the time, I'm sure, were still like, I don't care, I'm going to ride a stride. I don't get that from her, so whatever. Yeah, I mean, the quest is is riding side saddle. It seems really unsafe to ride side saddle. Yeah, I mean, you're not. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, they make special saddles to ride side saddle. Which I think makes it slightly safer, mm. um, because they're, the pommel I think is like on is like to your side instead of in front of you, so you can sort of hold on to the pommel, so you're not like galloping around, right? Like the fastest you're gonna yeah. go is like a trot or whatever. I think. I mean, really, I think it's just to walk around in the park or whatever. What's that park they all used to meet in? Well, Hyde Park was the Hyde one Park. in, like, Regents of England, yeah. Oh, that would be way later. But, like, I think, you know, you're just doing it to, like, be seen or, like, you're not, like, trying to get anywhere. It's just, like, a spot of exercise for the ladies. All right. So that's her horsey experience. Makes sense. Um, I mean, I just guessed. I didn't really look up, like, when ladies started to ride horses anyway. It could have been before this. Well, or you- after this. You ran around bandying around the term pommel, which I was really impressed by. Well, yeah. Yeah. Have you ridden side saddle? No, because why would I? I've ridden astride many times. And that's how you know what a pommel is. Well, how do you... Do you really not know what a pommel is? I mean, I know, like, now that you mention it. Oh, okay. But it's not something that, like, I could have just pulled out of my vocabulary at the drop of a hat. Yeah. They... Yeah. Okay. Well... All right, I hope that there's a lot more horse terminology here, because, like, mm-hmm. we have an expert on our hands. Uh, I don't think I'm an expert. I have no idea even when they started making those side saddle saddles. So who knows even if that would have happened by 1690. I'm not sure. Oh, it did. I'm confident in that. <clears throat> anyway. And, um, yeah, well, I'm glad I didn't write any further horsey parts, because uh wouldn't have brought anything to the table, unlike my expert uh, nautical writing. <laughs> That might be, I mean, I might know more about boats than I do about horses. Yeah. Um, no, the problem is I know nothing about anything <laughs> that is going on, um, aside from some, like, perhaps high-level uh, political machinations or, like, uh, strife between religious sects at the time. Like, you at least, like, I had to refresh completely where, where they were coming from and where they were going. So at least you retained that information, because I couldn't remember for the life of me. 
where they were headed. Oh yeah. No, I, <laughs> I geography. That's yeah. what I got. Not my strength. Um, well, let's see what they're going to do with the geography. Uh, all right. So he almost clapped a hand to his face, but refrained based on their need for silence. There's nothing for it. We'll make do. Needs must and all that. We'll have to steal a wagon as well. He gestured around wildly, using what he thought an appropriate hand signal to let them know they needed to line up single file behind him and be si as silent and be silent as they were able. He had no authority or understanding of the terrain and what they were about to face. He might as well be leading his men and Agatha blind. He cursed. Oh yeah, Agatha. By the way, got totally exposed as Agatha Van Horn and not Peter de Houck, her um, nom de guerre, but you all know that already. Anyway, he cursed to himself in his head once more and set off, cutting a quick figure across what quickly turned from a forested riverbank into a field of some crop he couldn't tell what. Luckily, the crop was about three feet tall and the men were able to crouch and be nearly hidden by the tall grasses. Anthony knows about as much about crops as I do. Well, not I decided he's not a farmer. So no, it's, like, he yeah. can't know everything about everything. Plus, I didn't. The terrain that actually is in this area, I didn't look up at all. So I'm just making it up. I assume, I mean, it was probably like wheat or grapes or something yeah. that would have gotten tall. It was crops. But no, I did that, not look it up. Yeah, I'm not picking apart that. I think that's great because if he doesn't know then, like, you're writing from his perspective. It's All right, perfect. it doesn't matter anyway, really. Yeah, like, we didn't so. we didn't need to use the Latin term. They're crawling through some crops. That's, like, that's perfect because that's as much detail as even if they say, like, uh, in a in a book that where someone was very specific about it, like, they crawled through the midsummer wheat field or whatever. Like, in my head, I just replace that with crop as I read. Um... <clears throat> And the men were able to crouch and be nearly hidden by the tall grasses. They kept in tight together, forming a dense single-file line. Anthony could hear breathing behind him, but could hear nothing else save the natural rustlings of plants and animals. After about thirty minutes or so, he could smell smoke coming from somewhere up ahead of them. He was surprised he could smell the fire before he could see it but then realized there was significant cloud cover shielding any light that would have come from either stars or moon. Anthony was sure that this was not favorable to Dipper as much as it was a blessing to the rest of them. He tried his hand signals again, but they weren't to work a second time, so when he stopped moving, he caused a domino effect behind them. Their line became a rough-and-tumble pile-up as they all fought to stay on their feet. After the mass of bodies had stopped wriggling, he whispered in the ear of the fellow next to him, which turned out to be Jack. Lobo. It was all Anthony said, but it was enough. He could feel the murmur go down the line until Lobo stood next to him. He waited patiently for Anthony. I smell a fire. There has to be a barn around here somewhere. Go see what's up for grabs, especially if there's a few horses and a wagon he whisper-ordered. Anthony felt a slight breeze when Lobo moved to obey orders, but otherwise had no notion that he had been there at all. Wait, 
Anthony whispered in Jack's ear once more, knowing that the message would get passed down the line. The group stood stock still for what seemed like an hour, but was probably no more than 15 minutes. Suddenly, he felt the air shift slightly in front of his face, and he knew that Lobo was back. Sir, not an equine in sight, but there looked to be three solid mules and a small cart we could plunder, Lobo informed Anthony. Anthony nodded and gestured to Lobo for him to lead the way, then stopped abruptly. Any sign of humans? I'd rather not leave a trail of bodies in our wake, he asked Lobo. I didn't see anyone up and about, sir. It is quite late, and while the animals look well cared for, it doesn't appear to be a full house, if you take my meaning, Lobo whispered. Anthony nodded again, making a decision. So mote it be, Anthony murmured, mostly to himself. He's saying that something is a mote of dust? You've never heard that saying, so mote it be? It's no. like, so be it. But it's like Masonic. Keep going. I had no idea. Yeah, it appears in a lot of like this time. Actually, it could, this book could predate it now that I think about it. But it's like a Mason thing, a Masonic term for being like, all right, fine, whatever. There's nothing to do. Like, there's nothing for it. Is Anthony a Mason? Keep going. Sweet. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. I I started reading the last, the next sentence. Hmm. Henry had been a mason and had often used the phrase to bless their more daring adventures. The ragtab group started up again, not quite as silently as before. Anthony could tell his crew was anxious to be up and away from here. The faster they completed their mission and back to the ship, the better. Anthony was surprised at how close the farmstead was. His band snuck into the barn one by one and bridled and saddled the two fittest-looking mules. They managed to affix a cart to the larger one once they had located the necessary mechanisms outside the barn. Anthony ordered Lobo to leave a ruby on the shelf on a shelf in payment. Lobo shook his head at his captain's folly. Getting the animals ready had been the work of about a half an hour. Anthony knew they were losing the cover of darkness. He could almost taste the dawn coming. He ordered Charlie up behind Agatha and Lobo up with him. Jack was left to the wagon, not quite big enough to hold his frame, but no other good option. Dipper had stayed on to defend the ship. I couldn't remember if that was true or not. I mean, Dipper definitely, like, got down to the ground and was, like, talking oh, to people ashore on the in I the didn't last really chapter. care. I just, like, sort of wanted him to stay with the ship because, like, he's more comfortable with the ship. He could have gotten back on the ship but, before like, they struck out. I mean, I would think they would leave someone there. It's a perfectly reasonable idea. I've never tried to ditch a ship before. Uh, well, especially if they left any of their cargo there, I would think they would want someone guarding it so that, like... It wouldn't all get stolen upon their return, but I don't know. He's like their getaway car. Oh, I like that. I mean, yeah, like, they have to be, like, ready to, I don't know. I just decided he wouldn't go tromping around through the forest anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm usually on the lookout for, like, comical situations, so I wanted him to be a fish out of water on the ground. However... All these dudes are fishes out of water. Yeah, none of them. I mean, Anthony himself is already sort of 
at a loss. I mean, so is I. I mean, none of them are like land people, really. They're all kind of like scurrying around in the dark trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Walking through crops. Yeah. You could have used landlubbers. It's my favorite phrase. You have like a bajillion favorite phrase. I can't use all of them all the time. That's true. Anyway, I think Agatha might be the biggest landlubber, but she's never loved this land. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's probably the most at ease, like around a variety of different kinds of people and in different situations. But, you know. She's nobody's mule thief. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway. Because the mules had such heavy loads, the party was unable to make any haste, but they were finally off and away. They found a nearby road and started southeast toward Paris. You looked that up? I had to, yeah. Okay. I really would have thought it was southwest. So I guess you have a better idea than me. I mean, you can check. Uh, Not right now. Um, Also, we don't, I didn't really specify where they ditched the boat. That's true. So it could. I mean, it's definitely south, right? It's like definitely inland more. So. Yes. No, they're going mostly south. Maybe a little sideways. Uh, maybe a little I, like, starboard. Looked, I like looked at the map to see how far it was. Mm. And then was like doing like mileage-ish calculations about over the distance about how long it would take them. And I didn't go back and make sure that I had remembered the direction correctly. So it could be southwest. So you, But you did look up how long it would take a, some mules and a cart to get to Paris. Mm-hmm. This is going to be exciting. I hope there's a chase. They would not do well in a chase. No, Their I mules are like this. By the way, <laughs> I should have just had them steal all three mules. I don't know why. Because I thought it would be funny to put Jack in the cart because he's like so oversized. However, a mule carrying two people and a person in a cart is quite a huge like weight burden for even a mule. I mean, mules obviously are like good at towing and whatever, like better than just like your average stallion. However, that's a lot of weight for them to be carrying around. So anyway. That does sound like quite a hefty amount of So they can't like go very fast. So they wouldn't do well in a chase at all. Well, I I mean, they're going through a bunch of rural areas. Right. They might get chased by the authorities. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the classic thing to do is for them to just be able to get across a county line in time and then turn around and taunt the authorities who can't arrest them across the county line. I mean, the idea for in this case would be if they just get to their ship, like they would taunt the because like the Mm. like the, you know, horse ridden French police or whatever aren't going to have a ship in wait. Right. They're going to be like, where are these idiots going? And then they just like disappear onto their ship. Oh, my goodness. And peel out on their ship. That's true. I mean, that would be good. That would only work on the way back, but it would be perfect. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I was trying to, like, think of some Oh, you mean in the middle of this? Yeah. Oh, that could still happen, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it would be tough with the mule situation, but I wanted some, That sort of depends on their people either having slower mules, which seems not right, or being, like, afoot. Yeah. The game might be afoot. And I just want some, like, Dukes of Hazard type scenarios where they manage to, like, jump their mules over a river mm. using a sort of makeshift ramp. And then the authorities <clears throat> chasing them, like, try to go up the ramp and then just land in the mud. I don't think these mules would jump over literally anything with that amount of weight, even if there is a ramp. 
Mules are not known <laughs> for jumping or clearing spans over ramps. Well, especially not with that much weight. Like, I'm more concerned about the weight than the actual jumping. Hmm. It'd be tough, but now I want I want Jack on his little cart, like, flying across the moon, like, uh, E.T. Hey. <clears throat> anyway, I think it might be time to continue actually reading your chapter. Um... Anthony knew that his that this head start was going to make or break them. They wouldn't be able to ride during the day, at least not on the main roads, and Anthony knew that this would take a toll on his crew. He kept a running checklist in his head of their objectives. Get to the palace in Paris, steal sh- secrets, get ship, leave. Over and over, he repeated this list, because as soon as his mind slipped, all he could think about was calling Charlie out over sitting behind Agatha on the mule. Oh, wait. All he could think about was calling Charlie out over sitting behind Agatha on the mule. Anthony kept noticing how Charlie was surrounding Agatha with his body, cradling her waist and holding onto her. What an asshole. Well, I mean... I know. <laughs> I know, it's totally not his fault and Anthony's being irrational, but it's sort of cute as long as he doesn't actually challenge anyone to a duel. I also, there's a, there might be a lot of anachronistic shit in this chapter because I also didn't look up when people started calling each other out. Like, I don't, I didn't look up when duels started happening. But anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Anthony's in an interesting situation because dueling, I feel like, is generally like a gentlemanly thing. Right. And Anthony is of a very um, obscure, impoverished background. Mm-hmm. However, he did have some some training from his uh, from Henry there, who seemed like more of a man of the world and might have taught him a thing or two about dueling. Right. Anyway, um, that hopefully doesn't come to that. However, let's see what happens with Charlie and Agatha. Every time he glanced over to check their progress, he felt his wame drop and his teeth clench. <laughs> Is this another Masonic term? W A M E. No, wame is just stomach. Oh, is that like a Scottish word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care. I was like, I don't. I'm using this. I let's see. It's always a good idea to use the Scottish words. I mean, whatever. It it wouldn't like if it was if this book was really being edited, it probably wouldn't last. But I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it will be edited before it goes on sale right. in the That's what I mean. Like, stuff, if but... it really ever gets edited by, like, an editor, then it would probably go. But for right now, I don't care. All right. Um, he didn't know how much longer he could stand it, but they were the only two who could ride, and he'd be damned if he let Lobo straddle her like that. After the tenth glance he shot their way, their gaze caught. And he knew that she could read his mind better than any mystic. She grinned across the space between them. Damn her eyes! She knew she was torturing him. And she was bloody enjoying it! <laughs> Finally, the sun was too high in the sky, and he called a halt. Rouen was about 90 miles from Paris. The travel would take over 27 hours if they didn't stop at all. Anthony wasn't willing to drive his crew and the mules into the ground by riding them too hard, especially when they needed to go out of their way to go unseen. They took shelter in a wooded area, and Anthony doled out some food. 
Is Rouen really only 90 miles from Paris? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't believe me. I don't. Okay. I actually looked at it. I went down this weird thing because I actually looked it up in kil kilometers. Because it's like, they're in France. It should be kilometers. And then I was like, well, they're fucking English. So why am I doing this in kilometers? Who knew? I didn't. So you're right. And I don't know anything about anything. And they got really close to Paris. So good for them. They haven't gone that far. Like it would take, yeah. if they didn't stop at all, it would take 27 hours at the speed they're going, which is about five miles an hour. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to be able to do that. Like, they're going to have to stop. It's probably going to take them three or four days. Oh, absolutely. I just mean they got close to Paris purely by mm. uh, purely by reaching Rouen. Right. Okay. Got it. Anyway, um, go ahead. They took shelter in a wooded area, and Anthony doled out some food. He instructed his men to hunker down and sleep for a few hours, if they were able. Anthony set a watch to rotate every two hours, with his being the last shift. He knew he should be exhausted, but as he holed up in his cloak, he found his mind wandering distractedly, and he was unable to take deep breaths. He hoped his crew would be able to sleep better than he was. He laid there for over an hour before drifting off into some fitful rest. He managed a couple hours before Lobo shook him awake. Your turn, Captain. All's well, he said quietly. Anthony nodded at Lobo and noticed that the light was growing dim, and they could take off again in a couple hours. He took up the spot he designated, his back to a tree where he could see if anyone came upon them, but could also see the men sleeping peacefully for the most part. It must have been an hour or so when he noticed Agatha shifting in her bedroll. As he glanced over at her again, he felt a cold ring of metal on his cheek and heard a dark voice in his ear. Don't scream or move, the voice said, velvet in the dark. I hope it's Dipper and he's been a double agent this whole time. None of his men moved. Anthony had not counted on someone coming from the forest to their little party and hadn't set a watch in that direction. There was nothing he could do, so he waited. The voice came again. Who are you? And what the hell are you doing here? The phantom voice asked. British traders selling our wares. Our boat ran aground on the river miles back, and we are headed to Paris to sell off the rest of our goods, Anthony said quietly. Why are you saying it like a fop? I, I thought he's like trying to be overly casual and stuff, even though it's a really absurd situation. That's that's how I decided to play it, but I wasn't very quiet. So. Well, it wasn't like very believable either. You just sounded like you were trying to sound like a woman or something. Well, he's very nervous. Oh, is he? He's overcompensating. I don't think he's nervous. He just had someone fucking shove a pistol barrel into his Yeah, but they would have shot him by now if they were really going to shoot him. You don't, like, walk up to somebody. But he's still being questioned at gunpoint. He's not even a little nervous at that. He's that unflappable. I mean, whatever. It's a hard man to flap our Anthony. I think he is. I mean, unless it's, like, you know, his own feelings that he can't figure out. He's not, like... You know, he's a captain of a pirate ship. This can't be the first time he's been held a gun. Ah, like, what? This is old hat for him. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again with that in mind. Now, no, I mean, do whatever you want. It was just like, mm-hmm. you're trying to sound like my great-great-aunt Hilda or something. I have no idea what you could possibly be talking about. You insolent little... All right, Mrs. Okay. Doubtfire. 
I, I was going for um uh oh god what's her face the 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 lady from uh from the importance of being earnest you know who she is except i've forgotten her name it's like aunt something aunt ernesta or something that's not right no okay anyway oh handbag all right i got that out of my system i'm gonna redo the line (laughs) as anthony british traders selling our wares Our boat ran aground on the river a few miles back, and we are headed to Paris to sell off the rest of our goods, Anthony said quietly. He decided to tell this stranger parts of the truth, but he couldn't rightly tell their real mission. A very likely story, the voice whispered harshly. Anthony shrugged. He wasn't prepared to give this man any more information. He waited It almost felt like this person didn't quite know what to do now. The silence stretched until finally there was a sharp crash and Anthony felt the absence of the gun. I'm usually feeling the absence of a gun. Well, it was like pushing into his cheek, right? And so he felt it not there anymore. No, I I get it. I get it. Um, He looked around wildly, trying to see what had happened. A man was laid out, sprawled next to him and Agatha. The comma placement led me into perilous water. A man was laid out, sprawled next to him, and Agatha stood behind them both, holding a sizable rock that she had clearly just used for for debilitating their stalker. She was breathing hard, and her eyes were wild with fear and bloodlust. Anthony leapt up and approached her with his hands up, as though she was a terrified horse. <laughs> well, she does. She's not in the habit of like you know hitting men over the head with big rocks. No, I like. I could like imagine her eyes like rolling in different directions. Right, she's and sort stuff. of like got some shock happening. But anyway, go ahead. Slowly, Anthony could tell that she came back to herself, and he gently took the rock from her shaking hands. He pulled her in tight for a hug. And then jumped into action. So it could be Dipper if you want. I didn't name the man at all. I mean, I sort I wouldn't, I wasn't, it wasn't going to be Dipper if I had continued, but. No, I don't think it's Dipper, but you, you left me with the task of figuring out <laughs> why this random assailant or hostage taker, whoever, just immediately started speaking English. Uh-huh. Which is a challenge. It could just be like an English, another English lady who's run away from her abusive French husband or something. Like it can be anybody you want. It can be a French farmer looking for his fucking mule. It can be whatever you want. Hmm. Okay, let me think. I think it is a... Damn it. I was about to say door-to-door encyclopedia salesman, but the first encyclopedia was famously not for another 70 years or so. Famously. Yeah. I really thought it was going to be a door-to-door salesman who had been just, like, having his evening meal. I think it's just, like, a vagrant type of person who, you know, is living in the forest and doesn't expect to see them and doesn't quite know what to do. And speaks English. Well, yeah. I mean, I would think it was, like, you know, an English person who maybe he's ran away from the british army maybe he's a detractor what is that called deserter deserter all right 
Well, I will think of something better than encyclopedia salesman. Also, it can be a French person. Like, there can be a sentence in my chapter where the person starts speaking in French and then switches to English when he realizes Anthony doesn't understand what he's saying. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we we don't do this much, at least on purpose. But uh, I always like to... Um, well, I love... You know what my real favorite phrase is? It's retroactive continuity. Yeah, I didn't even think about it at all. Because I just wanted something else dramatic to happen before they got to Paris. But it can be sort of a, like, next chapter it can be over if we want. Or they can end up adding this person to their party or something. I mean... No, I'm... This is... This is gold you've given me. Like, I'm cycling, cycling through options and asking questions and stuff. But you have handed me, like, just a... Uh, you've handed me something just like those, like, weird dog toy type things. Or just, like, a treat rattling around in a plastic maze. Mm. And the dog has to work really, really, really hard to get the treat. Mm. And has hours of fun. And that's what I'm going to have writing the next chapter. I mean, it could also be a French deserter and he could have, you know, insight on the military camp slash palace or whatever, wherever the hell they're going. Mm. They give him enough rubies or something. I think if it's a French guy, he needs to give them a cooking lesson. I mean, it could also be a lady. If it's a French lady, she needs to give them a okay. cooking lesson. I want I want a scene where they're all, like, <sighs> covered in flour and trying to, like, fold pastry dough and roll it with butter and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, I've got lots of ideas. <laughs> and you, the listeners, are going to have to tune in next week to find out what we settle on. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned to see which opinion won in Andrew's brain. It's probably something I haven't even said yet. Because probably. You, you gave me so many options. Uh, well, you know. Musical number. Anyway, um, write a review of our podcast. <laughs> or don't after listening to this one. Wait till next week and write a review. No, not not no, not because of your chapter. Because of my reading. And my um, sometimes very slightly extraneous commentary. But anyway... Go back and listen to every episode up till now and give us a super positive review. And then listen next week and give us more positive reviews. <laughs> so we just want to mulligan this week. It's the least you can give us after these hours of free entertainment we've provided you. And you can reach us at hello at uh, romanticunderpinnings.com. You already wrote down the socials earlier. And I think you should tune in again next week for another exciting episode. Languidly yours.